Unipify podcast. Welcome to the Unipify podcast. Today we're speaking to Marianne Ha about digital sustainable finance. Marianne is the executive director of the Green Digital Finance Alliance. Uh, welcome, Marianne, to the Unipify podcast. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. It's a real pleasure to be able to address your audience. So, yeah, I'm heading up the Green Digital Finance Alliance. We are a relatively recent not-for-profit incorporated in Geneva and co-founded by UNIP. So our mission is simply to scale green finance with fintech. And we do that through uh, thought leadership, still talking to policymakers, regulators and the industry around what are emerging practices. So we've developed a big green digital finance practice catalog to make it as concrete as possible. And then we work on what we call experimentation to scale. So that is more hands-on project where we bring partners together to even push the current practices of the market further. And then we work on uh, digitization of green metrics, which is um, hugely important in this space. Thanks very much, Marianne. Um, so, you know, if I has worked with Marianne over, uh, over, over a long period of time, you know, we will obviously continue to work uh, with, with, the, with the Green Digital Finance Alliance uh, to bring a wealth of knowledge to Unipify's networks, members. But quite often the conversations that we have, um, you know, people don't really know much about green digital finance. You know, there's there's an overwhelming uh, amount of information they feel sometimes, you know, or people just don't understand concepts. So I think perhaps should we start with a quick refresher? You know, what is what does sustainable digital finance mean? What's the intent? What what are the what what is the terminology that people should be aware of? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good way to start because it's sort of the mer merging sustainable finance, which people and green finance, which everybody has got starting to get their head around. But then putting the digital into the mix, then what does that mean, right? So it's really the deployment of of digital technologies, that whole toolbox of AI, IoT, DLT, etc., for aligning uh, capital flows with the objectives of the Sustainable Development Goals and the Paris Agreement. So it can both be to innovate, use technology to innovate entirely new green finance products and offerings, and it can also be to digitize the existing green finance products and services to make them more efficient. That's it. Fantastic. So I think if if we could then maybe talk about, you know, how how finance institutions are applying, um, you know, concepts of uh, or applications of actually artificial intelligence, blockchain, Internet of Things in the provision of financial services in the context of sustainability, of course, um, just so that we can maybe perhaps share some real life examples and then we can talk about those in more detail. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, if we look at the lending side, then there are quite a lot of banks that are stepping into, you know, offering these types of sustainability or green link loans for different types of, of lending uh, categories. And, and there we see quite a lot of um, value proposition uh, from technology, because then you have to harvest data on how that loan is performing, right? Um, so, so basically, um, for instance, we see um, green mortgages and the scaling of green mortgages really deploying fintech uh, for doing automated screening of your portfolio. So where do you have uh, your energy hotspots for offering um, 
energy efficient linked loans, but also banks are using it when they sit with their with their clients in a refinancing or or a mortgage financing situation. So they leverage uh, fintech to do automated screening of the real estate and automated retrofit advice. So really to start to develop even new types of relations with the clients that moves beyond sort of just advising on the loan, but also advising on how can you decarbonize, whether it's a commercial real estate or whether it's a residential real estate, right? So so in that space, um, we see quite a lot and we see Rabobank is going to issue a biodiversity link loan this year where they're going to deploy quite a lot of digital capabilities to measure on a number of KPIs on the farmers. And and here the motivation really is, is to also manage the transition risk with new regulation coming in in the farm to fork package in the European Union. So um, so we're seeing quite a lot in the sustainability link loan space um, that is really maturing and scaling up in the market. Um, then if we look at the retail side of things, uh, we see, and that's one thing that we're working quite a lot on this year, is um, we see more and more mobile wallets, but also incumbent banks with payment solutions um, trying to offer, because citizens really want to shift and be part of the climate solution. Uh, but climate finance has mostly been designed from the top down, right? It's been industries, it's not been citizens at the center. So they're starting to, we see quite a lot of innovations using your transaction data to give individualized carbon footprinting. Um, and that is something that is um, that we're seeing more and more across jurisdictions because people want to be part of the solution and they don't want to wait to 2050, right, for the world to be green. Uh, and uh, so that's more in the transition instrument space. Uh, but then what happened this year, just one example I'll end on, because it's really interesting, is that we saw coming out of the, the UK, the cushion, they offered the first net zero. It's a fintech and they offered the first net zero pension fund because what they start to look at. So that's more of a pure, pure play uh, product rather than trying you to transition as the others. Right. So what they had looked into was to say, okay, if you want to go net zero in your own lifestyle and in how you're saving, then currently that's very difficult because your pension fund, at least for the average UK pension fund policy holder, you emit the equivalent of, of nine personal vehicles of CO2 per year through your pension, right? So they said that's just not good enough. So they're using fintech to really package the underlying assets of your pension uh, to be fully green. So I think that's where we are seeing hopefully the market go is uh, both for transition finance instruments, but also um, really for more pure play instruments. I'll stop here. There are loads Fantastic. of examples, but just those are a few. <laughs> no, thank you. That, that I mean, all, all of that's very interesting. And I think it's it's interesting that you bring up the the, the point of, of, of retail uh, retail uh, retail offerings in individual carbon footprinting, but also, you know, the, the net zero pension funds. Um, you know, there is, you know, we're hearing so much about millennial, millennial investors being more more savvy when it comes to when it comes to these issues then so but then if we sort of you know bring it bring it back to the finance institutions then how do we get how do we get the people who are you know packaging the loans who are doing you know the operational side of things interested in 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 all of this through through digital uh, digital means really yeah i think it's a it's definitely a huge tool for innovation for how they can can structure structure the the different loans to to really be um to be to be new products in the market i think one thing where 
the market still needs to go, but which is one of the big value adds, is that currently the way the loans are structured and those that sit to, to um, issuing the loans, well, if it's green, we require an interest rate rebate, right? So there's been so much work and really good thinking into saying, okay, um, it, it has a number of advantages, so, so your risk is lower if it's green, your risk is lower if it's green. Uh, I think what we're trying to, what we really want to look at now with especially uh, the banking sector is then how can we use digital technology to innovate at the asset level in ways that you would not need to give an interest rate rebate? So it's still as good a banking business for you to give a green loan as a non-green loan. And there, especially the real estate sector is what we're looking at, and it's really interesting. So how can you use fintech to make your real estate not only net zero, but make it energy positive? So you actually include in your real estate or design your asset in ways that it generates more renewable energy than it emits, and thereby you have an underlying tradable asset, either as a carbon credit or, or a piece of energy, right? So that you would make it even better banking business uh, to issue a green loan than a non-green loan. Because I think the logic of having to offer interest rate rebates is, is, is a big barrier, of course, to scaling today. And that's where we need the innovation to go and the deployment of fintech is to really think hard through how can we even make it better banking business than, than, than we have uh, today, right? So I think that's one thing. And then the other thing, of course, is that it just gives you a wealth of data and you can see new, new types of, of connections between different data sets and you can easier package um, assets, underlying assets, which have the same capabilities and the same types of, of behaviors. Uh, into into new type of, of covered green bonds, etc. So since we're we're talking about data, you know, data is quite often seen as the as the biggest challenge when when you know we speak to banks, investors, insurers. There's you know there's lack of data sometimes. There's an access issue. There's quality of data. Um, you know what 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 can we look forward to in this space um, when it comes to data? Yeah, I think you're right. The data is what we're having a lot of discussions around because there is a wealth of data out there, right? So a lot of the question is a trend. There's a missing translation of data to be investor relevant, right? So where we have seen most deployment of technology and where it's most mature currently in finance is really to leverage AI or natural language processing for, for leveraging sentiment data, right? So to overcome the challenge that you only have um, annual reports from companies, from listed companies, one, once a year. So to increase the, both the, um, the frequency of the data you get on the behavior of the company, but also you get the sentiments from the market, right? Uh, if there's an NGO report, you can automatically uh, get your AI to read that and, and have a red flag on, on that company or that security, right? But the problem, of course, with that data is that it doesn't really tell you anything about the real impacts and behaviors of the companies. It's really the sentiments out there, right? So I think that's the most mature, but that's also what the market tends to want to, to add on to through Earth observation data, right? So more observed data points. So we're seeing quite a lot of of asset managers, but also banks uh, deploying uh, satellites. So Rabobank, for instance, as one of the largest agricultural lenders, so they're leveraging satellite images as part of their credit risk assessment um, for on their on their loan portfolio in biodiversity exposed 
hotspots such as Brazil, etc. Right, but but there are loads of asset managers that are doing it, and the types of risks they're doing it for is really deforestation risks, because that is currently the resolution that we have on open source satellites such as Sentinel-2 data, is really what it's a, it's able to capture at the moment is is at the canopy. It's difficult for it to to capture sort of what are your risks on butterflies or smaller species? You can't really see that from the skies. It's prohibitively expensive to do that today. So it's mainly deployed Earth observation data for deforestation risks and then physical climate risk at asset level, right? So, so but, but where the market is going to move, I think with the announcement of the TNFD, the May of this year, where we currently, we sit on the technical expert group on the data side of things, is that we are definitely going to see um, much more leveraging of Earth observation data, uh, and not only um, not only satellites, but also um, other types of, of Earth observation data like um, soundscapes, etc. Um, but the, one of the sort of big things that we're looking into at the moment is really the current barrier to really deploying these technologies to their fullest for natural risk assessment at capital market level is really the lack of geolocation data uh, of both assets and suppliers in the most material sectors. So currently we are discussing actually with the financial community uh, how to overcome this barrier because you can observe a piece of land and, and observe land conversion, right? But if you don't know the owner of the asset uh, and the geolocation of the asset, it becomes very difficult to connect it to a security and thereby for it to be sort of investor relevant and actionable by investors. Also. So then how how are you sort of fostering collaboration between between you know different different assets, different providers? I mean, you know, we've seen recently that that a lot of providers are now collaborating, making data more easy to access. What are your hopes? going forward in this space? I mean, we're already seeing some collaboration, but what, what do you think needs to happen to make data more easily available? I think definitely, first of all, regulation uh, with SFDI and the European Union, etc. We are going to have quite a lot of the translation of this data into being translated by investors right into their portfolios because the, the KPIs they have to report on now are, are very clear. Uh, but I, so I think investor regulation and especially also that regulation starts to stipulate that your disclosure has to also include geolocation. So and I don't think we have that in, in too much of the climate disclosure, but we need that for the nature disclosure because location is so important. And then I think for to have more um, open so, and what we're looking into is have more of the data that will really accelerate uh, this connection between Earth observation capabilities and the actual security. For that, we really need more of a public utility open source type data infrastructure. So there currently we are discussing with asset managers, asset owners and ESG uh, data providers and also with philanthropic capital. Like could we get the whole community together and then philanthropic capital to build a platform where we would then incentivize corporates, et cetera, to upload their geolocation data. Um, uh, and, and then the ESG data service providers would need to, of course, pay a fee for using that data for their innovations. So we could have a business model on top of that. I think those are the new types of data models we have to think about 
because if we only think about nature risks in the same current data models in the financial markets, which is basically closed centralized data models run by the big ones, which are good, Refinitiv, Sustainalytic, MSCI, etc., it's just go it's just gonna go too slow and we're not gonna have sufficient innovation and competition in offering the best data sets. So we need to think more about um, open source type platforms. And I think the European Union could be a good place to start because there's with the biodiversity strategy, with taxonomy, with SFDR, uh, European Union could be a really good place to sort of start to make that public uh, or, or sort of open source data infrastructure available. Great. Um, so I think if, if, you know, speaking of reporting disclosure regulatory frameworks, um, such as the TCFD, you know, you've mentioned the TNFD, uh, which we're looking forward to. There's other regulatory requirements developing quickly every day. And then we've also got, you know, the EU taxonomy, which also has has aspects to it. Um, and, you know, a lot of this also contributes to operational challenges. When we sort of link it back to automations, which you mentioned at the start of this talk, what, how can automations be integrated into these, you know, reporting regulatory disclosure frameworks that can actually help people advance advance these agendas? Um. Yeah, I think where we are, where the market is at the moment and where there is some really interesting practice to look at is from the Central Bank of Spain. So what they have done is that they have leveraged artificial intelligence to do an automated tracking tool of some of the largest financial service institutions under their supervisory um, on their TCFD reporting. So they have done an automated scoring and an index. Uh, I think they're going four years, yeah, it's on, on four years back in time. Uh, and they're looking at the four pillars of TCFD. So how are these um, financial service institutions reporting on those four pillars? And then they index them. So they're doing textual analysis. And I think that's something that at least that would, that's a first step that the financial service institutions can do is that they can do textual analysis. So leveraging NLP and AI on their own operations uh, around the principles under the principle for responsible banking and then do an automated index of how are they performing this year relative to then they can go three years back which is and then they can automatically track their performance and that will just be on how they actually integrate it into their reporting and strategy so it's only on the textual layer but that will also help them point to you know where do they need to improve in practice and then they can, of course, leverage um, digital technology to do their their risk and impact analysis. And um, and and they are currently that is sort of semi-automated. Uh, if you look at the the nature risk tools that are out there for footprinting for FIs, there are six sort of leading tools in the market, and most of them are leveraging sort of the same database infrastructure and a. So the BFFI tool, for instance, which ASN Bank has used in the Netherlands, uh, that is using what is called the XIO base as the data layer, and then they're leveraging AI to do conversions on what how what is their biodiversity footprint look like, right? So I think starting with sort of monitoring automatically your strategy level and implementation of the principles, and then going more into what does your footprint look like, and then having strategic decisions on on how to move that forward. I think is um, is probably good places to start. 
Fantastic. Um, you know, you've mentioned the principles of responsible banking, um, which we we at Unibify host, um, as well as the principles for sustainable insurance, the sustainable blue economy principles, the Net Zero Asset Owner Alliance. Um, you know, we also do work on impact analysis, and you know, all of this adheres to a high level of standards, principles, guidelines. What what advice would you give to signatories and members of such initiatives exploring? the digital finance space? Yeah, I think really to start with, um, what, are, what are the data sets you already have? Because I think a lot of them, a lot of your signatories could start, if they start to think more like software companies, then they could sort of um, take a more digital first approach to understanding how they implement the principles. So they could look at what are their, what are their data assets already that tells a story about where they are in terms of the principles and then what are the digital technologies they can use to automatically track that and then what is the gap between where they are and where they want to be they could also do a sort of an automated dashboard showing where and then in those gaps that's also where they have their opportunities for innovation right so if they have a big gap in them um, in implementing so decarbonization of their portfolio that's and specific parts of their portfolio, that's also where they would have sort of the biggest opportunities, right, for, for digital innovation to help them accelerate going from where they are to where they need to be. So I think starting with your own data assets is, is a good way to start and then and then really do a data roadmap of, of where you, how much you can automate uh, and, and how much you can innovate. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Marianne. Um, so I think to to end, uh, do you have a wish list perhaps, <laughs> as to what you'd like to see finance finance institutions adopt to help you know advance advance green digital finance? Well, I think just as we talked about looking at um, at all levels, really about starting with what are the what are the digital they already have, which they have under leveraged for green innovation. Is it at the retail level that currently they're just helping people to transact, but they are not really maximizing that data for also giving their users green feedback? Or is it in the mortgage portfolio where they actually sit on quite a lot of the data on what's the state of the real estate, et cetera, et cetera, but they haven't maximized and utilized that for green? So really doing a data mapping of your assets and how much of that have you maximized for green and then do a green digital maximization strategy. I think that would be a wonderful place to start. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Marianne. And for people interested more, uh, if people want to find out more, um, what can they do? Yeah, happy to. Uh, I can go on our website, greendigitalfinance.org, uh, or to our social media channels and, and just reach out to us. Happy to, uh, to link up and uh, support all your members in any way we can. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Marianne. Thank you so much for, for taking the time. Absolutely fascinating conversation. Um, hope to speak to you again soon to see further advancements in this space and perhaps we can deep, uh, we can dive deeper into, into some of the aspects that we've discussed today. So thank you so much, Marianne. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much.